There are many ways people listen to Vision, including in cars through the Vision app. The Vision app is compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So if you have mobile coverage, you can stream any of Vision's live radio channels in crystal clear quality and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts all on the go. There are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to Vision. However and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talking about the latest research, and I might say paints a bit of a a concerning, even grim picture of the world in coming times. The world is, according to the social researchers, moving towards division. Along with that are global and national trends that help us to navigate the way forward in turbulent times. It's one thing, isn't it, to speculate and guess what's ahead. Another thing to take some cues from social research that shines a light on how times are changing. We might be especially interested in how research in Australia contrasts us with other nations in a world where there is some increasing fragmentation. For instance, most Australians believe that Australia will become more united over the next few years, while other nations like the United States, some Asian countries around the world are becoming more divided. So we might ask some questions. What are the trends that come along with events like COVID-19, the dramatic effects that that's having around the world? What are the trends around other issues like cancel culture? What are the trends around whether we trust our political leaders or our health leaders? Well, we're talking about top trends for 2021 with leading social researcher Mark McCrindle, the founder of McCrindle Research. Mark, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks so much, Neil. Great to be with you again. Mark, let's talk through trends, uh, perhaps uh, big picture thoughts. I mentioned this idea of the world becoming more divided. Uh, There's research around all of that and just how that is eventuating for 2021. Uh, What are your thoughts around division around the world? We've uh, seen a big year of division as Australians have looked around the the planet and, uh, you know, the U.S., Australians are saying is headed towards more division. We look up to Asia and um, and China's influence there and some of the challenges there. And again, um, we've got the, the majority of Australians saying that, that there's less unity in Asia and across in Europe as well, a similar outcome. But the positive news is that Australians are saying, at least three in five, that over the next three years, Australia will become more united. And we've seen that a little bit through COVID, you know, and how compliant Australians were and how generally they listened to the government messages. We didn't have the same level of protests or pushback on those health messages that we saw in other countries. And so that does give Australians a sense that even though there are some differences of perspectives um, here in Australia, there's a sense that uh, that we do generally get behind our leaders, 
behind a bit of common sense and uh, and in this culturally diverse society uh, we, we tend also to, to be fairly accepting of, of difference that exists amongst us and so you know, that, that led to the majority saying we, we are on a good track uh, towards more unity. Okay, interesting isn't it uh, to compare the idea of Aussies being a little more optimistic uh, and many, many nations around the world being very pessimistic and uh, pointing the finger and saying COVID-19, no doubt uh, that would have exacerbated some of the racial issues that we might have been seeing in the US and of course with the politics of the last year with the United States presidential elections, all of those things no doubt have an impact on whether we're optimistic about the future or not but uh, it seems to be, as you say, Aussies uh, tend to feel like we've got things on a right trajectory and so we can afford to be optimistic. That could change, though, couldn't it? Well, it could, and we dug into that in this study just to find out, okay, well, that's that's nice to know that we're, we feel that, that things are headed in the right direction, but what are the watch areas? You know, where where do we need to be more focused on bridging build uh, on bridging the, the gaps that exist? Because, you know, we, we are diverse and we see fragmentation emerge in our communities from time to time. Well, the top three were these areas where we need to, as a nation, work harder to bridge division. Number one, socioeconomic status. And there is a sense that, that you know, there are some people being left behind and, uh, and, and there are others moving ahead. And that you know, for a land that was known as the land of the middle class can create a bit of challenge if we see uh, people, even those holding down jobs and working hard, but falling behind and not being able to, you know, pay for the basics, that uh, that's a challenge. So 88% of Australians said that that's the number one issue. We need to work harder to bridge those earnings or socioeconomic gaps. Uh, 86%, number two, said ethnicity. You know, we're culturally diverse and you know, we can always do better in terms of making sure that people, whatever their background or culture, feel included, feel part of the Aussie dream and, and lifestyle. So, so I think we've done pretty well in that regard um, compared to a lot of nations, but uh, nonetheless, uh, and I think last year showed us a bit of fragmentation around culture and colour and, uh, and the need to, to make sure that we are bridging gaps there. That was the, the second big issue. And the third one, 85% said we need to work harder to bridge the, the division between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. And again, of recent days, with Australia Day and lots of discussions, we, we saw that emerge again. So they're the, the areas that Australians are saying we need to work harder on. Isn't it interesting because, you know, Australia Day yesterday and uh, in some of capital cities around the nation, there were some marches, some demonstrations. But uh, by and large, the reports I've read, uh, most of that uh, very peaceable. And there is a certain sense, isn't there, in a democracy, everybody gets a chance to have their say. And of course, there's all sorts of issues around how freedom of speech might be uh, in some ways. Uh, There are those who are trying to suppress that. But this is really a demonstration, isn't it, of this idea of being unified Uh, when we see a peaceful demonstration that's happened on the streets in some of these capital cities yesterday uh, it does indicate that there's a a bigger picture here in Australia uh, that gives uh, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Australians this feeling that they can get out and have their say and demonstrate and recognise some of the challenging things that have happened in our past. There's something in there I wonder whether you've got a thought or two around that Mark. Well, that's right. That's well summarised. I think this, this survey really shows what we saw on Australia Day and what we see generally in Australia, that Aussies 
do consider this place the lucky country. You know, we do feel blessed to be here. We do feel optimistic about the direction we're heading in, and we do generally support our leaders and the direction of this nation. So there is good support. And yet at the same time in the survey, Australians are saying, but we're not perfect, and around issues of um, of, of cultural diversity and, and inclusion of people from different racial backgrounds and the indigenous, non-indigenous issues, we need to work harder. So so we're sort of saying, look, it's a great country and and we, we feel blessed to be here and we, we do like our, our nation and we're proud of, of, of where we stand in the world. I mean, look at how we've gone compared to other countries through COVID and through, as you said, peace uh, and, and, and civic compliance in our nation. And yet it doesn't mean that we, we, we have no uh, dark issues because we certainly do and we need to keep working at that, particularly around, again, culture and um, Indigenous connection. So, so Australians are, are wanting to, to make sure that we do work harder there. And I think, I think that, that's great. You know, we can, we can be uh, proud of our nation and at the same time recognise that we need to uh, work harder and continue to improve the lot of others who may be different to us. Isn't it interesting in such heavy issues that the world is facing and we like this idea of contrasting how we Aussies are in comparison to what happens in other nations and even as we're talking about those sorts of relations here in Australia between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians, well, if we were to contrast ourselves with the Black Lives Matter uh, Mm. violent protests that we saw over this past 12 months, uh, or even if you said China and uh, all of the issues there that come with communist China and uh, the oppression of, say, the Uyghur people, where uh, it's considered to be almost at the point where uh, people are calling that a genocide happening in China. These sorts of race issues, uh, if we compare ourselves, uh, these things look pretty, pretty tame here in Australia when we have you know people making a protest and, and it's actually peaceful. Exactly. And I think that's where Australia can be a global example. Again, an imperfect one, but an example of how, you know, with goodwill and with community engagement and with us all uh, working hard to uh, make sure that we do take good advice uh, if we've got a different perspective on things, you know, protest peaceably and in this COVID era safely. Uh, We can, you know, shine as we have with um, relatively few infections and impacts of COVID, again, compared to other nations that we'll often line up against. And, uh, and again, you know, while we think of ourselves as sometimes a bit cynical and a bit anti-authority and we, 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 we don't want people to take themselves too seriously, at the same time, we do respect uh, those who have the leadership, maybe around health and advice, maybe it's political leadership that they bring, and Australians are saying they've, in the last year, listened to their advice. And I think that's really helped us um, get through uh, where other countries have struggled, uh, this global pandemic. You mentioned uh, the idea of working hard to bridge divisions, uh, the idea of uh, different groups uh, within the One Nation. This might be a telling aspect for who we are as Australians and what the future looks like, and perhaps looking at with that little bit of optimism here, because uh, as I understand it, your research shows that uh, all of these different groups that could be at loggerheads with one another in significant ways, they actually believe if we work hard, we can bridge these divisions. Well, exactly. I mean, look at how Australia has over the years grown, and it's through 
welcoming people from so many different backgrounds and cultures. And the the cultural diversity here has largely worked. We find that Australians are generally positive towards the mix of backgrounds that make our rich communities. And that's mainly or often expressed through through the culinary options we get when we head up the road to uh, or to a food court and, and the array of options there, which we didn't have in the 1950s, you know, and we now do. Uh, and you can get a good coffee and you can get a lot of uh, varied foods. Um, we, we see the rich um, uh, cultural expressions through dress and through festivals and even through the impact of, of our global connections putting us on the map around the world as a go-to country uh, for tourism and, uh, and you know, in a lot of ways, uh, a global leader in business. We've got connections back to other countries from the diversity of, of our own culture, which helps with international trade and all of that. Uh, we are the most culturally diverse nation in the developed world. And we are largely uh, peaceful in, in the way that, that that works out. So I think that there's good reason that Australians have been positive. We, we do find one challenge when it comes, when we talk about migration, it's not at all the cultural diversity. People are, are fine with that, but it is the, the speed of the population growth. And that has been a challenge for people to get around because uh, I think that they, they work out how long it takes them to get to work now versus a few years ago, or sometimes the waiting times in hospitals or to get children into school these sorts of things and they say well maybe we ought to manage to some extent how fast we're growing because three-fifths of our population growth has been coming through net overseas migration and that's the that's the one um, question that Australians have when it comes to our, our diversity is uh, what is the rate of our growth and um, and, and that's now been <laughs> temporarily sorted out with closed borders uh, until we can work out not only the health pandemic but probably for Australia what is the right level of growth and migration and um, and Australians overall you know are happy with with that slowdown uh, until we play a bit of catch up uh, on, on on what has been some pretty fast population growth this is 2020 with Neil Johnson helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is social researcher Mark McCrindle. We're talking about the top trends for 2021 and where we as Aussies fit in all of these trends as they're happening, not only here nationally, but where we are in the world. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Alan in New South Wales. Hello, Alan. Welcome. Yes, good morning and thank you for the program. Uh, I just want to ask, uh, in the midst of the discussion we've been having about trends and directions in Australia, where is God in this discussion? God has a say in this country. God is in the first paragraph of our Constitution. Uh, Why is God not in this discussion? God is in the discussion, but let's get a thought from Mark McCrindle. A great point. And even if we look at national data like the census data, the most recent census shows that 52% of Australians identified their religion as Christianity. So God is in the majority um, of us. In a, An optional question, by the way, on the census uh, with people freely identifying their religious worldview as a Christian one. Um, and you're right on the, you know, everything from our constitution to how parliament is opened each day in Canberra with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, what is interesting, though, is despite these facts, 
how infrequently um, God makes it into uh, you know the media uh, discussions or articles or in, to our universities or, or or sometimes into policy. So in the community, in in the identification of Australians, in a lot of day to day conversations, God is there. Uh, but not always in in the national one. I think that's important. We, we did a study during COVID of Australians, and we found that that Australians almost half forty seven percent said that they have thought more about God during COVID. A similar number said they have thought more about their mortality. Uh, we had more than one in four say that they've had more spiritual conversations because of COVID. In other words, tough times and uncertainty get people to think even more about the spiritual things of life and their real purpose. Um, so, you know, very warm times in that regard. Alan, if I can just ask you, as you've called in and said, where is God in this conversation? Uh, oftentimes we'll talk about those particular groups that might be able to uh, see their own role as taking down God in their Australian society, and I suspect that's where your question might be coming from because there are a lot of attacks against the people of God in Australia. I wonder whether, Mark, uh, for Alan, when he says, where is God in this conversation, that there actually might be a rising trend of trying to suppress even the mention of God, even the mention of Jesus into a conversation, at, as you mentioned, universities, you know, taking God out of the university campus. Those sorts of trends are concerning for a lot of Australians. Yeah, that's right. And you know, keep in mind that 15% of Australia's population go to church on a Sunday. Um, maybe infrequently, that's once a month or, or more frequently. That's, that's all realms of, of church uh, from all different backgrounds, uh, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox. But that's a pretty sizable number. And actually, it's the same number who say that they are quite opposed to Christianity, about 15% of the population. But of course, what that means is we've got 70% of the population in the middle. You know, maybe ticking Christianity box in the census, even if they don't go to church, may be open to um, to sending their children to uh, you know a, a religious school, uh, perhaps even you know tuning into to Vision Radio and, and other Christian media that you have, even though they not, might not be be Christians themselves. And 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 the challenge with all of this is that sometimes it's the fifteen percent who are quite passionately opposed to Christianity that are dominating and starting to influence the seventy percent in the middle that are you know open to Christian things to some extent, even though they're not personally practicing it. So that's where it is important that uh, that the fifteen percent who are churchgoers and active in their faith uh, feel free to to share their views and uh, and make sure that God is not silenced from our our, our nation. Alan, thank you so much for your call. Our talk back line open on 1-800-316-316. You might want to join in our conversation. You might have a thought, a comment. Uh, you might uh, like your uh, own uh, just perspective uh, clarified when it comes to the trends. Where are we going? What is happening? And uh, our special guest, Mark McCrindle, well across the issues that are developing and coming from a foundation too with his own strong Christian faith. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Shelby, welcome back. Welcome to 2020. Hello. How you going, Neil? Good, Love Shelby. Show, buddy. And uh, hello, Mark. How you going? Yeah, great, thanks. What are your thoughts, Shelby? Mate, I'm, I'm with uh, Alan. Precisely, that was my thing. Where is God? Um, 
there's not enough discussion from the Christians. You were talking about the 15 or 70 versus 70 percent, and I don't think we're standing up enough. We're not standing up and talking to our politicians. Um, I, you know, for one thing, uh, bless her heart, um, Margaret Court, and the controversy that she's getting thrown at with so many people that are saying, oh, she should have her honour taken from her. And, you know, I've read part of the Guardian story. I haven't got all the way through it. It's an incredible story. Um, but, you know, for me, for for Margaret, there should be no question. Now, I'm told anyway, when I read that article um, by this uh, journalist that did the article for the uh, Guardian, that um, there's got to be really a criminal thing that could get conviction or penalties or so for this to ever happen. And people that have been put up for reviews for their antichrist points of views in certain areas, and there's another one, a, a number of them, um, um, they've got away with the things that they've done. And some of them have even cohorted with pedophiles. So from what uh, I'm Shelby, reading, let's get a, a thought or two from Mark, because uh, you're making important points here. And uh, if we were to focus on Margaret Court for a moment, here's an individual who uh, I think is just wonderful, uh, but not everyone agrees. But here's someone who isn't just uh, going along with the flow, but is happy to stand up as a Christian and actually cause some level of division. But that creates in itself its own trend. And I wonder whether you've got a thought here, uh, Mark McCrindle, over uh, the idea that Margaret Court, uh, not afraid to stand up for her faith, as we all ought not to be, uh, but she actually then creates a trend. And uh, the trend to follow Margaret Court, or even, you know, on the opposite side, the trend to hate Margaret Court. What are your thoughts about trends and Margaret? Well, yeah, it's a great point uh, that Shelby bring up there. And, and why aren't more Christians speaking out and sharing their views? And it, it is because they see the treatment of people like Margaret Court or others who have shared a view and and really um, get get hammered for it. And, uh, and that's what we found in, in our research. And I know we're going to, in a moment, Neil, talk about cancel culture, but we found that 65% of Australians uh, censor what they say because they don't want to get that negative pushback. Now, this isn't just Christians. This is anyone who's got a view on anything. We are in a, in a nation now where because people see how people receive a bit of a pile on or, or maybe a question in their workplace, that they're cautious about what they share. 52% are struggling to be their authentic self for fear of judgment or, or exclusion. Another 54% say they've hidden their perspective on topical issues because they're afraid of how people will respond. And sometimes now, even around the lunch table at work or with the friends after the sport, we, we almost don't even want to talk about the current news issues uh, because they're hot topics and people just don't want to you know, get that pushback. That's part of the problem, this land of freedom. We're now limiting our own freedom because of this cancel culture and the, the, the vehemency of the pushback that people now receive. Mark, let's take a call or two. We've got a bunch of people waiting to get through. I don't want to disappoint anyone by uh, missing out. So let's hear from Rini, who is in Harvey Bay in Queensland. Rini, welcome along. Hi there, Neil. Hi there, Mark. Uh, my um, query is, I often wonder where the church is today. They're very, very silent. I know the media is not prepared to uh, put positive things about the church, but I think with um, all the big churches that we have in Australia, surely 
they could band together by um, by pages in the newspaper and put their story across mm. instead of hiding in the closet. Uh, Rini, wonderful positive uh, way that you can talk about how that might happen. That raises all sorts of questions about uh, whether the church is united. Uh, but uh, your thoughts for Rini here, uh, Mark? Mm. Well, I think uh, after you know the Royal Commission into institutional abuse of children and, and some bad examples of, of Christian leaders, um, you, we've got a society that when we've conducted research and said, what do you think of the church? They'll often say, oh, you know, there's, there's hypocrisy and, um, and uh, there's a bit of skepticism. Uh, but that's the church as an institution, because when we ask the same community, the same you know, snapshot of Australians, what you think of your local church, most people see the great works that they do. They see the youth events that they put on or the opportunities that, that they present to, to help those in need. They see the outreach taking place and, and of course, everything from healthcare to the charities and education, much of that conducted by our churches. So, so there's a mixed view of that, depending on whether people are looking at, at the institution or at their local church. But uh, you're right, you know, most churches um, you know, are doing great things and you know, are the hope of the world and the community. They're the backbone of their own communities. And if they can get out there a little bit more and maybe you know, communicate, not just the perception that people have of them, what they're actually doing, that's that's got to be helpful. Uh, Rini, thank you so much for your call. And uh, while we've got you here, Rini, the idea uh, that you're saying that, uh, that the churches may not be as... Uh, as loud, as vocal as they could be, and you came up with some great thoughts there on how there could be a united voice. Uh, interestingly, when there's a pylon, as you describe it, Mark McCrindle, uh, there's a tendency, isn't there, to go quiet. And I wonder whether the church has, in fact, just gone quiet while there's been the pylon with all of these negative things that have been pointed at the church or whether there is something deeper there where there isn't a unity that's getting the voice out. Any thoughts here, Mark, just before we move on from Rini? Yeah, I was talking to Steve Chong, who runs the Rice Movement, which is a, a great ministry connecting up young Asian generations uh, in Australia with, with ministry and impacting this nation. And he, he, he had a saying recently, he said, it's like you know, we, when we're on Zooms now, we keep saying, I can't hear you, unmute yourself, you're on mute, you're on mute. He said, we need, to, we need to tell that to the church. Church, we can't hear you, unmute yourself. You know, Take your mute button off, take your mask off, and communicate with the broader community. I thought that's, that's good advice uh, because the church has good news in a world of bad news, and the church is able through volunteers to make a difference in our community. It doesn't rely on commerce or, or people having money for it. And so unlike almost every other pillar of society, the church is able to do good and have impacts and share life-changing truth, but they need to unmute themselves. Uh, Rini, thank you so much Very for good. your call. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, let's take another call. Vic is on the Central Coast of New South Wales. Hi, Vic. Welcome. Yeah, hi. How are you going? Very well. What are your thoughts, Vic? Um, I suppose, I was just agreeing with Rini, um, I think the whole Margaret Court issue might have not had as much um, uh, steam in it if we had articulated, you know, a, a body of Christ view on gay marriage when we had the opportunity, when the debate was being had. Um, I suppose we're limited by the exposure that the media gives us, um, but I, I didn't really hear a united response or a biblical response from that 
as as a united group of you know denom- denominations maybe maybe we've got to be, be be more vocal as a as a group of leaders and then you know the the rest of the congregation can follow along with that sort of articulation from a higher level um Probably the other point is you said 15% of the community go to church on a, a regular or regular basis or both. It's probably 15% of that 15% can articulate what their face is about as well. So I think we need to be more educated in sort of a broader range of issues in the church as well. And the only reason I sort of have a, a good broad range is listening to uh, vision actually because you 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 know you really encompass just about everything that there is to to um, Sort of listen to in, in the Christian world. We might on. say there's no shortage of things to talk about. So uh, yes, yes, getting engaged in the conversations a powerful mm. thought. Uh, your thoughts for Vic, Mark? Yeah, I think that's true. You know, the people see, and we found it in our research, how 54% say that they aren't sharing their views on political issues, on religious issues, or on hot topics because of the treatment that they see others get or they themselves get. And I think church leaders and churchgoers are part of that same group. Um, We need to remind ourselves of Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy when when he said to him, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I think that's that's good advice for us all. Let's not be ruled by a spirit of fear, um, but know that that there is power in, in communicating truth. Vic, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Just to top off, uh, talking about Margaret Court. Well, uh, Margaret is not on mute. And I couldn't help but think, Mark, that there was a little bit of a silver lining around that black cloud because Margaret Court, who was being recognised by the people who give out those honours, the Companion of the Order of Australia, and and I I don't think she personally asked for that, but that was the people who give out the gongs said she is worthy as a recipient of that. And so all of a sudden... The whole of the Australia Day conversation was dominated by Margaret Court. And I think that is a silver lining on uh, what we might think as the pylon of Margaret Court, the idea that a cancel culture might come in here and try and shut down Margaret Court. But she just she just keeps on keeping on. And what a champion of faith she is. And whether you agree with her or disagree with her, she will say that she stands for a biblical definition of marriage between a man and a woman. I mean, and she's not even criticizing anyone. But when people hear that, they hear something negative in it and they feel like they're being attacked but in actual fact she's standing for biblical truth so she's not on mute and uh, in this sense a real example for us all what are your thoughts mark well that's right and australians do respond well to people sometimes it's politicians or leaders who they say are convicted or have have conviction politics and conviction policies and can can stand for what they uh, believe and communicate that and and, you know, Margaret Court and, uh, and, and so many other pastors uh, live a life of sacrifice and service and, and making a difference uh, in the lives of others. And, and she, um, it's nice to see for her, her great work and, of course, uh, her tennis skills. Uh, she's been recognized with the highest uh, order in the land. And, and it does show that, um, that, that uh, you know, regardless of, of views and backgrounds and, and people 
being able to to share those views or not, um, the, the the government and, and in this case the the governor general um, can recognise someone for for you know how they've spent their life in terms of um, helping their community. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take another call. David is on the line from Murray Bridge in South Australia. Hi, David. Welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, um, my, my my thing is that. Um, uh, uh, the, the, the Christian thing, um, we need not, we should not be um, scared of uh, to stand up for truth, like has been said. Um, in fact, we are told that these things will happen to us if we do stand up for the truth. I'm speaking as a street preacher, and uh, I've, when I started out, I could do it without any interference. Now, I need a local permit to get out and do street preaching. I'd like to. I'd like to think that uh, uh, you know I could go out there, preach the gospel in the street, without having to pay for a permit. Um, this is this is a thing uh, for me that uh, is attacking Christians uh, in this country, um, making it harder and harder for us to be obedient to our call. Uh, David, special honour to you, and let me encourage you that even though you've had a few extra hoops to jump through, that you've been tenacious enough to jump through the hoops so you can keep on doing what you do best. Uh, David, uh, really good thoughts there. Uh, your uh, response here, Mark? Mm, yeah, well, that's a challenge as more and more restrictions come into play. But you know, we can also understand why um, there, there are some uh, permits required, for, for noise reasons or with residents or other things. And, and the great news is that we still have those freedoms, even though in a more, I guess, organised and regulated society, there might be a system to go through to get it. And scripture can still be taught in schools. And we can still meet freely in our churches and hire out public facilities for for ministry or, or other things and communicate you know, religious literature with, with those around us. I mean, we still do enjoy um, such great freedoms in this nation, and I think that comes with both the responsibility as to how we use such freedoms, uh, but it also is something to be welcomed and celebrated and, and, and to fully utilise, because there may come a day, you know, in 10 or 20 years' time, we look back and we think, wow, we, we should have um, taken uh, better opportunities, uh, full advantage of, of, of the freedoms that we had then because, you know, I don't think that the freedoms are going to grow. Uh, I think that there's going to be more um, challenges and restrictions as we move forward. So, you know, well, well done on, on stepping out boldly uh, on street corners. Well, we've got David on the line and uh, when we talk about this issue of cancel culture, usually it's happening with high-profile people. Uh, the attack that comes to some well-known identity over their faith stance on a particular issue, uh, maybe Margaret Court uh, or any other uh, person like that. But then it seems to filter into uh, the government processes. And while there's this pile-on with well-known people, where it actually affects all of us is where all of a sudden the local council needs a permit. Now, if you're going to say uh, those biblically founded things on the streets, uh, David's one of those who's affected by this idea of cancel culture. I wonder, you've got a few more thoughts on cancel culture, Mark. What are your thoughts here for that as it affects David, but all of us really? Well, that's right, and, and that's where you know the, the term "their cancel culture" is when people get cancelled. Um, uh, maybe their, their social media gets uh, gets blocked, or, or maybe just people sort of pile on and say, "Hey, get this person off." 
because of what they say or, or, or their behavior or, or their communications. And it can happen where people can, can be canceled from maybe their media platform they had or maybe their job is under threat. That's what we mean when we say cancel culture. And we found in our study, 65% of Australians believe that cancel culture has affected when and with whom they share their opinions. So there is this sense of self-censorship taking place uh, because of this cancer culture. And, and, you know, most Australians are in agreement that it doesn't actually achieve the goal of more unity. In fact, it actually harms our, our unity because we need to hear each other's views. We need to understand difference in our community, not just pretend there are no differences. And the more we can hear those different views and engage with others and have those freedoms fiercely protected, the more we will keep all of these views in the open and to be able to debate them with logical reason uh, rather than just, you know, have people cancelled and not given that voice, that platform, uh, because we happen to disagree with, with their particular perspective. Thank you so much to David for your insight. 1-800-316-316. Just before we move on from cancel culture and to some other issues, uh, this idea, and I think your statistics show, Mark, that 27% of us feel the need to hide our perspective on hot topics when there is this cancel culture, when there is this pylon. I wonder whether fear is a part of that, uh, fear of you know maybe attracting a, a little bit of unwanted attention, fear of a little bit of criticism, whether it comes online or uh, face-to-face maybe in the workplace. What are your thoughts around perhaps how you might cult- uh, counter that uh, by mm. not being fearful, how you might get a little bit extra backbone and say, well, I'm going to stand for what I believe. Well, that's right. And, and, and I think it's also being clear that we're not criticizing a person in terms of who they are. We're not um, being anti um, a particular group, uh, but rather we're just expressing an opinion on a practice or on a belief or on a perspective that others have, just as we would expect them to vigorously debate or push back or question our perspective or belief. And that's that's important for a healthy and thriving democracy. Um, but the problem does come to the modern definition of acceptance. And we found this in this, in this study we ran. Um, you know, acceptance, do, do you accept me? It's normally uh, traditionally been we accept the person. But now for almost half of Australians, acceptance is not just accepting the individual, but not necessarily accepting their practice or worldview. It, it means actually to truly accept someone, you have to accept their practice or worldview. And one in 10 Australians say you're not accepting someone until you celebrate their practice or worldview. We found um, while the majority of the older generation said acceptance is about accepting the individual detached from any worldview or perspective they have, the majority of the younger generation, in fact, just as many said acceptance is accepting the individual and their practices and and worldview. So acceptance is tied up into the very nature of what is believed or expressed or practiced or the behavior, uh, not just the individual. And that therefore means that if we um, question a perspective or a belief, if we push back on someone's stated position, that's seen as not accepting them, that's seen as harmful, that's seen as hateful. Um, that's the problem we have and that's why all the cancer culture has emerged because we don't understand in a society, particularly with that younger generation, as I said, that you can and indeed must accept people and love them and care for them uh, and yet still have the freedom to disagree passionately with what they say or believe. 
Taking another call, let's hear from Rob in Victoria. Hi, Rob. Welcome along. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I um, I see some parallels with our culture between that of how the Christians live within the Roman culture. And, and I think, uh, you know, one of the challenges for us is, is working out how do you uh, express your your Christian worldview, your biblical worldview, in a non non Christian society, and and I I think we have a I think we have a problem when when and I don't think it's an issue of fear, but I think when people come out, Christians come out and condemn the the what we'd call non Christian behaviours. Um, I I think they're actually missing a very significant teaching of Christ and that was that he came into the world not to condemn but to save and and you you know it, it's a basic relationship principle that unless people have got their ears open there's no point in confronting them because they're not going to they're not going to respond they're not going to enter into a discussion that's profitable they're not going to change their viewpoint if they're in a defensive position and I think Christ got it very right and Paul said similar things you know about uh, doing more listening than talking and I I just think that you know one of the the problems for Australians particularly but I guess all across the world you know we, we've got secular societies who have no faith in the institution of church the child abuse uh, I mean it's just an absolute disgrace uh, to the witness of the church, what's gone on there? So most secularists, most Aussies, see the church as as a bigoted, hypocritical uh, institution, and I don't see any value in coming out publicly attacking the gays or, or whoever have different lifestyles. I think it's a much more uh, biblical principle that we influence our society, like in Roman times by our, our ministry to people in need, uh, the way that we build relationships, the way that we, we care for people. Uh, Rob, wiser serpents, gentle as doves, uh, that wisdom Absolutely. coming from the lips of Jesus. Uh, your thoughts, Mark McCrindle, for Rob? Mm. And so well said, Rob. I mean, wow, that was, uh, that was well, well delivered and great advice for us all. I think that's right. I think we are in almost like a Babylon culture if we want to uh, bring in some biblical um, connections. You know, in Jeremiah 29, the commandment to God's people living in Babylon in that pagan and, and really, you know, a society where they were oppressed uh, is to seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which God says, I've called you and I've carried you. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And I think that there's a sense in which we invest and connect and make a difference and serve in our communities rather than always just um, fighting against um, our communities. And, uh, and in that way, we will you know, live the gospel. And, um, and I think uh, there'll be more likely open ears to hear what we have to say because of our example and, um, and our manner. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for your call. We'll put a line under any calls there uh, running out of time. Uh, just in these last few minutes, though, if we were summing up some things, uh, Mark McCrindle, it's clear that Australia is changing, and I wonder whether you've got any thoughts about 
just how that change might be accelerating and uh, the idea of, of, of being vigilant, uh, paying attention to the changes so that you're not taken by surprise and, and you know who you are as a Christian believer. Uh, any thoughts uh, as we talk about a changing Australia? Yeah, well, you know, we know from our research late last year, 57% of Australians said that 2020 was the most difficult year of their life. That's more than half of us expressing what a challenge last year was, obviously because of COVID and its impacts. And, and this year, you know, is, is, is equally a, a challenging year. And, and in all of that and in the uncertainty and amidst the anxiety, Australians are looking for answers. Australians are looking for support and are looking for purpose and direction. I think, you know, the, the Christians in their community can offer that and can, can give some real direction. You know, we're seeing um, so much of, of the Australia we knew change, you know, closed borders, uh, our population has now almost halted our population growth. As I alluded earlier, people are moving from cities to, to regions. And so there's, there's population growth in some of these smaller regions that, that hadn't had it for a while. Um, you know, now in an era where people can work from home and study from home. Uh, so we're seeing, you know, if you like a rebalancing of our population away from just ever growing uh, capital cities to other parts of, of Australia. Uh, people are you know, redefining what they're looking for in life that we found through COVID that, that people uh, found some new priorities. And it wasn't just about chasing ever more earnings for the overseas trip and buying that new toy, but actually time with family and loved ones was appreciated. People picked up new hobbies and got to know their local area a bit more and uh, picked up camping once more and board games and jigsaw puzzles and baking sourdough. Some of these old pursuits made a comeback. And I think amidst all of that change, um, Christians and, uh, and those of wisdom in the community can, can really offer some direction uh, to an anxious society and to an emergency generation that have been rattled by all of this so you know i think good times uh, and good opportunities for even this uncertain year ahead well things might look uncertain uh, look for the opportunities to see the good things and the way forward and uh, and pursue those things that are aligned with god's word uh, aligned with uh, directions that will be uh, kingdom oriented uh, always so good getting your insights mark mccrindle and uh, there's a number of research papers that you've released just recently and some of the detail that we've been talking about today uh, people can access those from the McCrindle McCrindle website, mccrindle.com.au. When people go to your website, Mark, uh, just a quick uh, outline, what sort of things will they be able to access there? Mm, well, there's a lot of free resources that we put up there, everything from demographic summaries, infographics, we call them, visual summaries of, of various reports. You can get full reports there, and there's a blog uh, which is searchable and you can look at all manner of issues about Australia and the changes that we're experiencing and what it might mean for the future. So, um, you know, I encourage you to, to grab any of those resources as they can help. Well, always love our conversations, Mark McCrindle, and let's plan to have a number of these uh, over the coming times and we'll keep up to date with the changes that are happening and uh, great perspectives as you're researching what's happening not only here in Australia but even comparing those things to what's happening around the world. Mark McCrindle and the McCrindle Research website is mccrindle.com.au. Mark McCrindle. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.